podcast hosted by me, Curtis Hinton. On each episode, I'll be joined by different guests from the worlds of TV, film, music, business and beyond, talking all things from life to career. On this week's episode, I'm joined by an award-winning British producer and actor. A former star of the Peaky Blinders and this man also has an Academy Award buzz around him at the moment for his short movie, The Great Artist, of which he starred and produced. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Matthew Postlethwaite. Hello, Matthew. Hello. How are you? I'm great, Curtis. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I, I, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. I was about to say, I understand you are in uh, Los Angeles at the moment, so uh, there is a bit of a time difference. So I appreciate you coming up uh, so early on, on, the, on the podcast. Perfect. No, yeah, of course. Of course. Anything for, for my home country. So I, I have to apologize. I switched back between American and British. I'm currently about to film another American thing right now and practice all the time so um if i switch back and forth that will be the reason why but i was gonna um, say you, you are actually you're you're from cumbria i'm from the lake district yeah from from the north the north um i grew up there lived there for 18 years and then went to huddersfield university for another three years after that so yeah north the north um, and do you get to go back much obviously being between los angeles and the UK. I do. I couldn't go back this Christmas because of um, the pandemic and the situation. But um, last Christmas, I was there for, I think I was home for three three months, close to um, half the time in the Lake District and then half the time in London, um, just catching up with family and friends. So um, yeah, I try and get back as much as I can. Yeah, I mean, you, you brought it up. Let, let, let's get rid of the pandemic talk to begin with. So <laughs> you've been, have you been locking down in Los Angeles then, I assume? Yeah, it's been... Um, it's been a lot, um, as it has been for everybody else. Um, complete lockdown. In fact, we were just locked down until um, two days ago. And now they've opened up restaurants, I think, again, coming on Friday. But, um, yeah, it's been it's been a massive change. In fact, LA is basically a shell of what it used to be. Yeah. Um, but um, pretty much, I mean... Yeah, I'm fine. Um, friends are fine here, so. Um, I mean, what yeah. we've seen, my our, our view over here is we've seen that the more the cos- cosmopolitan areas, so like New York and LA and that, that's been the areas that have taken the pandemic seriously in America. I, w- from our perspective, I've got a friend who's actually in Texas right now, and he said that everything's open, everything's free, there's no lockdown, there's <laughs> nothing like that. So uh, um, obviously, it's good to hear that they're taking precautions where you are and you're keeping safe. They are, they are. We're keeping safe. Yeah, everything got completely locked down. Uh, it was very, they took it very seriously. Um, yeah, so LA, New York, um, some complete lockdown. And we pretty much still are. Um, but we, we are opening up as much as we can. The vaccine is here. I don't think we're doing as good as the job as the UK, um, even though when I speak to my mom, um, she has a different opinion on that. <laughs> that, would my, be, my... <laughs> that would be my follow-up i mean from, from from our perspective over here being living in the media of the uk and what it's like there's a lot of uh slaughtering of, of the government and everything i oh, don't get you wrong the vaccine rollout is is going to schedule as far as i know as far as the reports are going but everything else i mean what, what is their perspective from america are, are we ahead of people or are, are we doing things oh, wrong? Yeah. No, you're massively ahead. I'm kind of like, can I just move back to the UK? <laughs> you filming to get the vaccine? No, you're like a. It's 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 funny because you're like a shining example from here. But 
um, from the insider's perspective, from, <laughs> I hate to call out my mom all the time, but it doesn't seem like it's, but you, you've vaccinated, I think, up, I think just above 10% of your population when I don't even know what we're on right now. So Yeah, I think mid-Feb they wanted something like 12 and a half million or 13 million vaccinated. So uh, it big wow. targets, but I mean, if that's, uh, hopefully that's, I mean, that's the route we're going to go. It's the NHS. Like we give them such a bad rep sometimes, but they're phenomenal. The job that they do. So yeah, um, I think I think this pandemic, if if it's done nothing else, it's it's made everyone recognise how much needed the NHS is uh, and how, right. how underfunded the NHS probably is as well. Um, exactly. Obviously, it's so been nice to see from here, from watching the reaction to the NHS and and everything the British public has been doing to support them. But with the new president now in uh, in America, it looks like the vaccine rollout could uh, could be making a, a bit more of an appearance. Hopefully, <laughs> I haven't heard anything. Is, is, is there still not much yeah, talk about about it over there yet? Or no, there's not. To be honest, all of our news has been taken up by political stuff and yeah. And, um, Black Lives Matter protests, um, which, I mean, great, but um, as far as the vaccine, we haven't really heard that much. Yeah. I, I, actually, I know people over 65 are being vaccinated, um, but other than that, I'm not sure what the next plan is right now. So, Sorry. Well, that, that's enough of pandemic and COVID talk. I think uh, uh, for the last 12 months, that's all everyone's been talking about. So let, let's talk about you. You're on the podcast. Again, yeah. thank you for coming on. It's great to have you on. Um, let, let's go back a little few years. Let's go back six, seven years in the Peaky Blinders. Um, would you say mm -hmm. that was your biggest role to that date at that time? I would, yeah. Um, it was um, a really unique opportunity that I got. That me and my twin brother got... Uh, we don't really act that much anymore together, but me and my twin Jeffrey, we got cast in, in Peaky Blinders. And I remember the first day on set and my mind was just completely blown by the set, um, the people that were around us. Um, I learned so much in terms of just my acting career and, career and life. Um, I, I, I would literally study and observe all the actors, um, specifically Killian and Helen. Um, master classes in acting um being surrounded by them and it's a um, huge program over here as well and obviously to be a part of of the yeah. series uh obviously would have, would have been for you a, a huge opportunity i i assume it was yeah it did it, it kind of put me on the map a little bit here as well in america it took i think two more years before it to before it eventually came over i think when it became a netflix original series um that's when it started to pick up steam um, so yeah, definitely, it's had a big impact on my career and life since I I've came to Los Angeles. And are you managing to keep in touch with any of the cast at the moment, especially during lockdown? Everyone's got a bit more time on their hands. You know what? I haven't. I haven't really spoken to. I've I spoke to my twin, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't really kept in touch. I think I actually think the last time I bumped into Joe Cole, I think a year and a half ago at the gym in Los Angeles. I think he was here for pilot season or shooting something, but that was, that's pretty much the only time that I've spoken to anyone since. You've, you've mentioned your twin. You've got an identical brother, Jeffrey. Yeah. You uh, did a, you did a program together, uh, twinning. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, no, we, we actually didn't do that. We were, we were creating that. Um, okay. With a meeting called Andy Dick. Um, very funny, funny guy. Um, but that actually ended up, didn't end up going ahead. Um, thank God, because the writing was not the best. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I wrote it, my twin wrote it, and Andy wrote it, so I'm not calling anybody out. No, myself. yeah, <laughs> but but obviously the writing in general now obviously significantly improved. I was going to leave this a little bit later, but the great artist is <laughs> is is nominated for a, oh is got an Academy of Buzz around it. It, it. It's it's in consideration now for for the Academy Awards, um, which is great. We we I I, pre, I wrote about ninety different drafts of that film um, with one of my, one of my production partners. And um, yeah, hopefully the writing has improved a lot um, <laughs> by then. Um, yeah, it's great. We're, we're I, I feel so fortunate about it. Um, in terms of the writing aspect, we really went into depth. Um, I brought on a lot of doctor consultants um, and charity organizations to help me when I write it. We talk a lot about um, dissociative identity disorder. Um, and mental health. So it was really important to me in the script that we portrayed everything in its truest form and truest light. So um, we kind of dove into that. I, I started writing, actually, I started writing that in the UK um, while I was in London. I wrote um, a good amount of the first first drafts of it um, while I was there for, um, I think that took me over a month. Then when I came back to LA, I just got back into LA and then we had the lockdown um, and then I was able to kind of use that time to, to write and, and get the script that I wanted. Get, get it all, get it all. I mean, um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about what it's about in a moment, but I mean, the, in terms of the award side of things, um, the, yeah. the, the LA Film Festival, you've got best drama, best original score. It is, it is picking up that, the, the buzz already. So, I mean, the contention, are, are you quietly confident about the Academy side of things or is it is there like a little bit of maybe maybe not we're not sure we don't know at the moment it's a massive massive we're like if you're gonna aim for anything that is pretty much the pinnacle that and BAFTAs right now that you can aim for so um I, I'm quietly hopeful um we're doing everything we can we have a, a great team around us right now um, that are trying to um, get kind of the word out there. So it's all it's all a little. Um, it's it's the first time I've been doing this, so the first time I'm running for in contention for the Academy Awards. So um, it's a very different strategy, but it's also very um, it's exciting and it's also so interesting. Like I kind of live for this stuff. <clears throat> um, so I'm excited. Um, yeah, we, we actually just got, we, we got nominated for one of the songs as well. And that award show is tonight, um, which is a shame because if uh, that award show is um, Hollywood, ho the Hollywood music, the Hollywood media and music awards, uh, and that's a big award. I mean, that happens tonight. And if the pandemic didn't happen, that would have been the whole big red carpet yeah. and kind of big, big showcase. But and that, that's for the song uh, Brave. That, that's picked up a couple of awards already, isn't it? The New York International Film Awards, Best Song, um, obviously, which yeah. you're part of, of writing the song. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I wrote, I wrote the chorus um, starting back kind of a year ago, um, part of the chorus. And then um, 
when I sat down to write it with John predominantly, um, he took it to a new level and then adding Pia Toscano's voice on top of that is, is kind of a writer's dream. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's doing well. Um, I'm excited by it. Um, yeah, I'm very excited by it. And would you say, I mean, from writing uh, a movie to writing a song, what's the difference in your mind? Is it, it, would you prefer writing? Um, that's a good question. Honestly, probably film, um, but they're not that different. They no. seem vastly different <laughs> and they, they probably are structural wise. But when I go about writing something, it's all about kind of what is the intention and what is the story that I want to tell. So yeah. in the film, they're all, they're all story led right now. Um, and the song, if you listen to the song, it's a story like the, the verses we talk about kind of um, it's, it's, it's about mental health. Um, but it's an uplifting song. So in the verses, we talk about a struggle. And then the choruses, we go into this kind of massive power ballad that Peer crushes. And it's all about um, empowerment and, and standing your ground. So, And it's uh, obviously you, you actually star in this movie. You are the, the great artist. Yeah. So um, when you write this, when you write the script, do you write it as you imagine yourself playing it? Or do you write it as you imagine just the character looking, if, if that. Oh, I imagine myself playing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose it is. No, I, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, the reason I write, and that, I, I, I've been, <laughs> if my managers listen, I've been arguing with my managers a little bit um, in the best possible way because I constantly say I'm not really a writer, um, although I'm writing two more films right now uh, <laughs> but I'm, i say i'm not i'm not a writer i'm i'm an actor and that is pretty much all i ever want to do and have ever wanted to do in my life um but writing honestly it's kind of a vehicle for me to kind of take a little bit of control over my my career now and the the um characters that i want to play and what i want to put out into the world so um i'm, I'm writing from a, a place of necessity rather than because i'm i'm dyslexic and i'm very very dyslexic um which i've learned to kind of deal with now and and i can write i can also write and then i can also have somebody help polish the script up so yeah not everything has to be spelled right <laughs> I mean, to be fair that's pretty incredible in itself the fact that uh um you're taking these on obviously dyslexia some people i know the severity of it for some people is very different so uh but uh, like you say, if you're very dyslexic, then and you're sitting there writing um, movie scripts, I mean, absolute credit to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you are a writer. We've established you're a producer, okay. um, and you're an actor. What's your favorite role to play? I, I think I know what the answer is. I think you've kind of covered this, but acting, yeah, acting for sure. Acting. Um, I would, I would be the guy that would act in the bottom of like his home shed or something um <laughs> I, I i love acting and i love the whole psychology of it um when you break down a character their past life i i study um characters a lot and it's one of my favorite parts of the process and of um learning how to play a role um if i could have years and years to study a character before i shoot i would that would be would. my, my yeah. perfect life I think um, it's a, quite a common I had, mis 
so as I say, it's quite a common misconception from people looking at actors watching films. They think it's just an actor gets a, gets a script and they learn how to do it. Obviously, there is a, a huge process in place that actors have to go oh, yeah. through. Yeah, there is. It, it, it depends on how complex the character is. Actually, that's that's not true, Matt. It depends on how in-depth you want to go with the character. Every character, every person that walks this earth has such a complex dichotomy and structure in their life. So um, it depends on how much you want to break it down. But for me, I, I just want to keep going, going and going until I almost can walk with the character in my day-to-day. -day. I, I love that. I'm kind of I would, I'm not a method actor. Um, I, I don't like the attachment that that has for an actor. Um, but even just listening to my accent now, you can hear me switch in. Yeah. Hear me switch out from being American, and that's because I'm I'm studying um, a an American um, guy right now. So um, that that's that falling into my my normal life, my normal world, which. I love, I don't mind it. Like I'm, I'm, it, it's, I, I get excited by, by the craft. So, um, and do you find that is, when you're, uh, mom's, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Tell us about your, what was going to say about your mom? I, I'm throwing my mom under the bus right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I said my mom is constantly like, um, just talk British, Matthew. And I do talk British, but then I change that show. It's been um, it's been a shit in our family. Sure. <laughs> do you find that when you're changing, like coming down from a character, you've done all the film and it's all ended, do you still find that you've got some traits of that character kind of in you, obviously, because you've been living kind of that character for, for for quite a while? Oh yeah, absolutely. They they teach me about my own life and my own kind of uh, yeah, for sure. They're they're always. They're always kind of with me and I like it. I enjoy it. It's not this psychotic thing that it sounds, but yeah, um, no. <laughs> yeah there's, a, there's a part of me that, that they're always going to be kind of here and around. And that sounds a little crazy, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, they, 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 they're, they're around, they're around. I'm talking as if they're people, but um, <laughs> yeah, certainly, certainly after we shot the great artist, we have this massive scene at the very end. And it's very, um, I don't want to give it away, but it's very um, emotive and, and destructive. And that, that was probably one of the hardest things to shift. I think I was, um, <clears throat> I was very um, down and almost tormented for like three days after that. Um, yeah, I think tormented is the right word. Um, it, well, it consumes you completely, but it also takes a lot out of you, like your energy, it gets sucked. Um, I'm talking about acting like it's it's <laughs> brain surgery, but it's just because I love it. I want to go. The passion's like in there. Your, your, your emotion, <laughs> it, it's, it's, all, it's all attached. It's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's go right back okay. to the start then. Like you said, you, you're that kid in, in, the, in his shed when he's young, acting around. Yeah. Well, acting, was, was, it always the, uh, uh, was it always the aim for you then, acting, becoming an actor? Yeah, it was for sure. Um, as soon as I um, actually before I even knew it was a profession, there was yeah, I'll tell you this. There's um, me and my twin had a very big imagination, and we used to do this thing where we'd run around the house and act like um, it was just when Jurassic Park came out, or when we first seen Jurassic Park. We'd run around the house, and um, in every window there'd be a <laughs> 
cool. Like, that'd be a dinosaur. And we'd like freak ourselves out and like scream and run around, nightmare for my parents. But um, I remember, it, I remember vividly this feeling of like shaking as a child, like a little child and just sitting with that feeling and feeling what it's like. And I was like, whoa, you can control your feelings, Matt. And it was like this <laughs> idea that like completely like, yeah, was, was a new world for me. So um, I think that's the first time I was like, let's play with this. And, and acting is that it's just all about feeling and believing. And that's simply in the simplest form what it is. So. And you're uh, let's, 2016, you feel, uh, you was in the, the white King. Yeah, it was, was. That, your, the right that was that was a, a a full film. Uh, uh, your first yeah. full film, is that right? Um, was it? I know I had shot um, shooting clerks before that. Okay, um, but I think that release date was later, so that's where right that the crossover is. is. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, the White King was great. Um, we shot that in Budapest. Um, I shot that with my twin, so that was nice to have him there. Um, we actually flew my family out um, to come visit us on set, which was a completely new experience for them. I'm laughing because um, my dad and mom turned up to set, and my brother, my older brother, turned up with a GoPro attached to his chest because he he he'd never seen anything like it, so he just wanted <laughs> to film anything. And then the security were like, "You can't have that on this." <laughs> and they came into the trailer they were like lewis got his gopro um taken off him i'm like why why did you have a gopro <laughs> first thing on set it was funny <laughs> yeah, filming, it was filming scenes whilst you're shooting he's just there with his gopro recording it <laughs> yeah, in the behind the scenes footage for sure <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your favorite role so far you've played uh actually this last role i did um, yeah in the great artist um and I, I, again i had the luxury of writing him um and creating him in his world so <clears throat> i got to take massive parts of my own kind of life and and implement that into the script and and hide in it and exaggerate it so um yeah this this character is very part of of who i am um in a hide in form it's uh, it's. I mean, like you say, if you were, you have the advantage of writing it, so you can write it for yourself. You know what you're like, what you can do, and where you want to push yourself to go. If um, if you could play uh, one of the iconic roles that are out there as an actor, so if like The Godfather or or in Titanic or, or whatever, whatever age you 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 would be, what what role would you play? That's funny that you even mentioned The Godfather. Um... Marlon Brando probably is up there for me. Um, Rebel Without a Cause, uh, James Dean would probably be the character I'd want to play. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have, I really want to shoot at the uh, Griffith Observatory. It's just randomly in my brain. Um, so yeah, Rebel Without a Cause for sure. I mean, could we see a remake on the cards? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'll get a few guys together. Tell us whoever couple producers. Let's go. We uh, um, you keep you've mentioned that you're going back and forth. I will ask with with not with not pre-planned or anything like this. This this new this accent training you're doing. Can you tell us what it's for at all? Um, 
<laughs> you can say no. no. You can <laughs> say no. <laughs> okay, that's um, fair. Yeah. But it's, it's something that's coming up soon? It's something that is coming up in the next six to 12 months. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. So yeah. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on that. Okay. So um, yeah. every guest that comes on Hinter Meets, we, we speak a little about music and it's quite good that you, you've actually written a piece of music yourself. So, but we want to know what your top three tracks are of all time. So it, it right. can be from any genre. It, it can be a poem. It, it can be a, a, a church, um, a hymn. It could be anything like that. Any three tracks of all time. Okay, so the first one has to be um, Michael Jackson, Beat It. Um, one of my favorite songs, right? Um, the second one, I'm going to go with <clears throat> J.P. Cooper in The Silence. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, um, but it's a phenomenally, beautifully written song um, that kind of just gets me every time. And... Um, the, the final one would be, uh, I'm going to go with Brave by Pierre Toscano. Um, that is the song I wrote. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't really choose another song, could you? It had to, it had no, to be that I one. I have, have to give a nod to myself. So. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. And I mean, for that, for series one, we're asking every guest that comes on our podcast, um, the three same questions. Now, these are three random questions that was chosen. Um, so the first one is, if you had the power to change one thing in the world, what, what would you change? Great. One thing. Um, if I had the power to change one thing, I think it would be that everybody could be uh, more... Um, I think tolerance, um, they, they, they could accept, be more accepting and tolerant of, of different cultures and different backgrounds and different ideas that are, are different to our own. So, um, yeah, so a general blanket one, but just, just a little bit more accepting. Everyone's more yeah, open-minded open, to, uh, yeah. Open-minded, yeah. If, uh, if you could watch one movie and you, you can't pick one of your own, you can't pick one of your own. If you could watch one okay. movie for the rest of your life, what would it be? The Godfather. Oh, it would um, be The Godfather. It would. And it's funny that you even mentioned it. Um, um, masterclass in acting. Um, every time I watch it, um, I, I pick up new different nuances in it. Um, phenomenal film. And finally, the, the last question, I think this is one of those ones that get asked at any dinner party ever. If you could dine with three people from the past or the present, who would you choose? Uh, okay. Three, okay. Three. Michael Jackson, um, first and foremost, um, I think he is one of the most creative people that have ever walked the planet. Um, I'm gonna go with Obama. Um, because it's Obama, <laughs> uh, and I have to I have to do someone British. Uh, I'm probably going to go with the Queen. The um, Queen, who who wouldn't want to have a, a sit down cup of tea with the Queen or <laughs> chat about her life and what she watches on TV or films. <laughs> Matthew, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. It's been fantastic to speak to you. And we are keeping our fingers crossed here for that Academy nomination for you all. Thank you, Curtis. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. 
Not a problem. Thank you for coming on. Take care, Matthew. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What a cool guy Matthew was. So laid back, so chilled out. Um, Matthew, thank you again. And like I said, fingers crossed for the Academy Award. Guys, thank you for listening this week. Make sure you tune in again next week, wherever you get your podcasts, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again.